Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Bodlow Racing Team. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert from Ford Pepsi Max Crew, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It is, look, it's great. It's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bulk, so um, <laughs> been, been here before. I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but, but we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickheads you could say it's just it's, they're just there's good racing and i enjoy it yeah. from the racetracks across australia and around the world here's inside supercars welcome to inside supercars for the first time in 2015 i welcome from sbs speed week channel 7 and a whole bunch more it's richard crail good evening crayley g'day craig how are you very well indeed as i'm sure peter norton from inside motorsport is as well Oh, good evening, gents. I can't wait to get the season rolling. Yeah, it is going to be a, a good season. It'll be an interesting one too because uh, certainly the changes, there's been a lot talked about off the track, Richard, and the changes being made in that Supercars media package. But certainly around the uh, race grid, there's been a number of big changes as well. Yeah, there has, certainly. And, and although the, the driver roster seems to have stayed re- uh, reasonably um, reasonably stable from last season to this one. There are a couple of key changes. I think the move of Nick Perkat to Lucas Dumbrell's team is probably one of the bigger ones to talk about because that's, that could be a catalyst for both the driver and the team. Um, we, we know and have just talked about on this show in the past about the struggles that LDM have had over the years of their existence. Um, they've had a couple of sparkling results, but they've been hard to come by consistently. Um, and Nick Perkett last year was, was the making of the man in that Borkinshaw car. Uh, very, very strong, uh, got consistently strong results and really, really performed to the level. But we all know that Nick can drive that because he's an extremely talented young man. So uh, I think this is the making for both of them. I think to get a guy like Nick, who's a young driver on the rise, but has also proven his capabilities at the front of the field, um, will be very, very good for LDM. But it's, it's going to be a benchmark for them. They need to give Nick a car that he can perform in time in, time out. Because if they don't, they'll be exposed as being the weak link because we know where Nick can run. So I think the pressure's on those guys a little bit. That's going to be one of the stories I'm going to follow and, and pay close attention to this year. The other one, David Wall. Hasn't he landed on his feet in the fastest car in the paddock? He has indeed. And Peter, I was going to mention another name to you, and that is a man who... When I think of his name right at the moment, I think of that OK Go song that goes, here we go again. Because Lee Holsworth signed with a team that he thought he was driving one car and he turns out he's driving another. But most pundits, and I think most people believe, he's probably ended up making the move of the off-season. Yes, that's right, Craig. Uh, the move to a SPR-supported car um, sounded pretty good at the time. Um, yes, there were some risks there with the question marks over the Ford funding at the time, uh, which now have been confirmed to the negative. Um, yeah, that, that's not a team that's going to uh, you know, fade away quickly, but uh, clearly linking to Walkinshaw uh, performance, uh, that's a team that's uh, been on the up of uh, recent times. Uh, and, uh, yeah, he has to be smiling that what he thought was a good deal turned out to be a better deal. Richard, your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Lee's, Lee's landed on his feet. I'm, I'm pleased for him. He's a ripper guy, Lee Holtzworth, and he toiled at Erebus, and he gave them some great results, Winton springs to mind. 
but um, at the same time, we all know he's a massive talent. We all know that he can theoretically win races and go back to Gary Rogers' days um, when GRM had a top five or six car, probably not a, a race regular race winning car. He was always there or thereabouts. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. He's basically taken that car from Nick Perkett from last year, and as I said earlier, we know what that car can do. So. Uh, I'm looking forward to a big year from Holdsworth. At the same time, though, I think the pressure's on, isn't it? Because you get into a car like that on a team that's on the rise and, and the Walkinshaw return to form, I guess you call it, has been well documented over the last year. Um, it's important that he starts to deliver. He needs to get right back into that winning form as soon as he can. Now, Tim Blanchard, Peter, coming back in at Lucas Dumbrell Motorsport, is he again going to struggle this year, or do you think with Nick Perkett, with the Triple Eight equipment, he's going to have uh, a lot better chance? Well, that, that's a team that has uh, expanded to the second car for, for this season. Um, you know, we, we can hope that uh, they get some of their uh, uh, speed up and get the team running at a more professional level. Um, I have modest uh, expectations of that team. Uh, and, and building on what Richard said earlier about Nick Perkat, I think the, uh, Nick has proven that he has speed and consistency in a good car. I think this season will be the test of uh, uh, how, how he can adopt to the role of almost being a, a team leader and uh, providing some uh, inspiration and leadership to the team about how to take uh, what was an ordinary car uh, and try to move it up through the field. He can drive it quickly, but he can, can he provide the, the technical and engineering feedback to help steer them towards the front? Now, Erebus Motorsport, Richard. Ash Walsh coming into that team alongside Will Davison. So uh, what's your read on how that team can perform this year? Well, it's hard to say, isn't it? Because you just don't know. Um, that that team's focused a lot on engine development rather than continually re-homologating their aero package like we've seen with the new Ford. Holden had another guard getting their aero better and obviously the Nissans, we think, are probably going to be the big sort of gains in terms of off-season development. But Erebus have just focused continually on getting their engine package right, getting the drivability right, and getting that side of the car right. So it's hard to get a read on where they're at this early in the season. We'll, we'll show glimpses of what that team was capable of last season. They had some good speed, um, and he's a ripper driver. We all know that. We all know how capable he is. I just hope he gets the car to show it, because I think the sport's poorer without Will Davison delivering, uh, as we know he can. Mm. Well, we do need to take a break here on Inside Supercars. We'll return with plenty more right after this. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard from Lockwood Racing, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Dale Wood from Team Advam GB Gal, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars, where Peter Norton and Richard Crowell join me, Craig Ravel. And, guys, we talked about some of the changes, but is it going to change at the front? That's the interesting question. I know that most people, and particularly most people in the media, believe it's Jamie Wing Cup's seventh championship year. With 
a lot less people this year having a confidence in Craig Lowndes being able to take the cake. And I think a lot of people have jumped off the Mark Winterbottom bandwagon. So is Scott McLaughlin really the only shining hope to take it up to the six-time champion in Jamie Winkup, Peter? Every season we uh, come into the first round, I guess, hoping that a few technical changes or some clever ideas in the workshop um, would upset the apple cart, the apple cart and we'd see uh, new teams fighting for the lead. And uh, I suppose this year we do have a, a bit of hope in some of those homologation changes that uh, that, that have been mentioned. Um, now, at the uh, test day, we saw that the Nissans uh, showed a bit of uh, better speed but they admittedly had better tyres than most people. Uh, most people were flopping around on very old tyres, so maybe that was uh, a, a false flash in the pan uh, about what their true speed might be. Um, now, of course, uh, when they got serious that weekend and had their shootout where they did have good tyres, um, FPR were towards the front. Uh, so uh, you know, maybe there is a, a bit of uh, performance still left in that team. So I think that we go into the season just hoping that uh, there are some real contenders to make it competitive at the front. And, uh, you know, of course, there are some of the, the players that were uh, very strong and consistent. Uh, uh, Shane Van Gisbergen, you know, what does he have up his sleeve to take it to Jamie Winkup? And, uh, you know, the Volvo, there's uh, no shortage of pace in that one. Uh, have they worked out some of their reliability issues on the off-season? So I remain quite hopeful that it's a very open and uh, exciting fight at the front. Well, yeah, I, I agree with that, Pete and Craig, but I think the key is that we're probably not going to know who's in championship calculation until June or July, because remember last year we had was it 10 different winners from the first 13 races or something remarkable like that, and, and a clear championship picture didn't really get formed until we got to Townsville, if not later, when Winkup started making his charge. So... I think it's going to be difficult to pick the favourites early on in the season. I think the driver that's the most consistent across the opening half dozen rounds as we get to Hidden Valley, uh, that, that's going to be one of the favourite drivers. If you can put away a seven or eight fourth or fifth post finishes and just tool around near the front in every race, that might be the difference between the contending at the end of the year and not contending. I've got a question for you, Richard. Is Chas Mostert the bigger threat than Mark Winterbottom in 2015? Oh, that's a difficult one. That's, that's a tough question, isn't it? Uh, I think he will be better this year than he was last year. Um, and he was pretty good last year, but possibly a little inconsistent. Is, does that make him a bigger threat than Mark Winterbottom? On balance, probably not. Um, but I think they'll be more equal. I, I think it will be very, very hard to pick between the two uh, pro-drive cars this season. Um, whereas it, it seemed, especially in the early stages of last year, that Frosty was definitely the, not team leader, but he was the guy that was setting the pace more often than not. I think now Chaz has got that season under his belt and that Bathurst victory that we all know about, that half-lapping had in front, um, I think that will certainly give him plenty of confidence. I, I think he'll be better than he was last year. It may turn out that if we have another mid-season fade-out like we saw last year from uh, the artist formerly known as FPR, then maybe Chaz is going to be the one that's uh, left standing towards the end. There's the two... other question, Mark, is uh, what of David Reynolds? He's got to stand up this year. It's time for him to deliver in that bottle car because um, he's been pretty quiet the last few seasons. And 
that's the other thing. The two other cars in the ProDrive Racing Australia uh, banner, they are going to be at different ends. David Reynolds is now very much a uh, senior driver, whereas Andre Heimgartner in the Super Black Racing, it's all new to him. Yeah, well, Heimgartner, and I think Pete would agree, you've probably put Heimgartner in a battle with Tim Blanchard and Ash Walsh um, wherever they end up in the field because those three were sort of relatively close when they were racing each other in the Dunlop series. So it's, it's tough for Andre coming into it main game first time, but he has got plenty of experience in DBS and, and especially in uh, New Zealand Super Tour where he's been pretty good. And uh, I had a chat to Greg Murphy about Andre last year and he rates him. He says he's very, very capable. Um yeah, as, as for Reynolds, it's got to deliver, Pete. I think it's time. He, he's got to get consistent results, surely. Peter? Um, coming back to Chaz, I think the, the big improvement that we need to see from him to be a, a consistent uh, contender is qualifying. We know that Frosty, well, he used to be a, uh, a, a regular at pole position. He uh, could master that, uh, that one lap in qualifying or in a sh- shootout. And as the car fell behind, uh, technically, uh, he lost that uh, regular edge that he often had. We've not seen Chaz consistently qualifying really at the pointy end. And I think that's what he has to address to uh, put himself in contention. Um, whereas for the other cars, yes, uh, David Reynolds, um, you know, the, the jokes have to end and he has to start performing, I think. He's a talent that uh, everyone has supported. Um, everyone knows that the speed is there. Um, he's got to deliver week in, week out as well. As well. Um, whereas for Heimgartner, uh, it's a tough gig for a rookie, isn't it? Um, and uh, he can be a, a leading contender in the in the Dunlop series, uh, but it is a big step up to the to the top shelf. Uh, and I've, again, I've got pretty modest expectations for what any of the rookies will achieve this year. Mm, well, we need to take a break, but there's plenty more when we return. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think it's a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth from Erebus Motorsport, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Rich Grail, Peter Norton, and me, Craig Ravel. Uh, guys, interesting. A lot of new racetracks getting built. Talon Bend, of course, coming into Clipsal has had all the media attention. But, of course, before that, there was talk about Townsville, and uh, CAMS are working with a number of other uh, potential racetrack builders and promoters to get new circuits built and running. Now, we certainly know with Townsville, we, uh, sorry, not Townsville, Toowoomba, we certainly know with Toowoomba, we certainly know with Talon Bend, their goal is V8 supercar rounds. But how many supercar rounds are going to be dropped? I think it's safe to say, Richard, Queensland Raceway is on thin ice, but are we just going to add more races here locally and give up on the international dream? Uh, well, I mean, that would make most sense, wouldn't it? Um, you know, the international races are great, and I, I like taking an Australian product to the world, but 
if it's not viable and you're going to chop and change them every two years, then it's obviously not a sustainable thing at this point in time. I think you need to focus on focus on your home turf and focus on being the biggest you possibly can be in your own backyard. And by that is Australia, obviously, and also New Zealand. Um, I, I would... The, the question of how many races is too many is one that will get debated until the cows come home. My preference would be that by the time we start now in March, I reckon you'd probably want 18 races right through, spread every two or three weeks until we get to the end of the year. So um, 18 rounds, 18 events, whatever you want to call it, that's probably a reasonable number. You get some date equity, you get some regularity in your TV schedules, which is so important in this day and age. People know when to watch. You can schedule uh, around the climates like we already do by going north when it's cold, down south, etc. Um, and I think the other question mark is, is the New Zealand market big enough for a second round somewhere on the South Island, perhaps hit up Tony Quinn and go to Highlands? Um, would that make sense? Yes, it probably would if you did it back-to-back with Pukekohe. So, yeah, look, I, I don't know what the magic number is. I think that's what everybody in the sport's trying to figure out. I think we need more races as long as it's viable for the teams to do them on the budget they've got. Mm. Now, Peter, I, I wrote a thesis last week saying that I think internationals are out because we will have more tracks here locally and we've got broadcasters that really don't need Twilight. They don't need primetime content. They've got football codes in the winter that are played at night. They've got international sport later into the evening um, and into the morning. So they want to have, in my opinion, they'd want to have uh, their supercars shown in Saturday afternoon, Sunday afternoon. But then... No sooner than I get the ink dry on the page, someone says, let's run Eastern Creek at night. Yes, that one's fascinating, isn't it? For years we've had the debate about how expensive it is to put in the lighting. It's not just about lighting the track. It's about lighting the spectator areas as well for just the the safety, the people tripping and falling uh, in the pitch black. Um, Whether it's viable to spend that kind of money uh, has always been the question mark. Um, I'm pretty excited by the fact that people are looking at it again. Um, Now, for Eastern Creek, it would be the shorter track. Um, It would be too hard to try to light uh, the the full circuit and that part uh, back over over the back of the hill. Um, Eastern Creek has always struggled to attract a paying crowd. Uh, And Sydney is somewhat notorious for, for not... Uh, turning up at the event. They turn on their TVs instead, whereas uh, in uh, Melbourne and Adelaide, uh, they're cities that are famous for uh, turning up and being part of the live atmosphere of an event. So uh, I've got some reservations about whether Eastern Creek is the answer for the night experiment, Um, but it's interesting that, uh, from what I've read, the uh, Australian Racing Drivers Club, uh, the uh, the promoters of that venue, um, they're quite interested in it. It's not just V8 supercars kicking tyres. So maybe this one could be an interesting partnership to make it happen. I think really this story, Richard, is all about uh, the Australian Racing Drivers Club. If they light their circuit, there's more track days. They can get their track day and get track nights in there as well. And yeah. so it's 365 times two, potentially, for their venue hires. Yeah, no doubt. And that, that has to be part of the equation there, absolutely. No, no doubt about it. I, I, two points on this. One, I, I think it's clear that V8 supercars are in part behind this and good on them because they want to do something different. And, and I think what might have pushed them along a bit is they've seen the success of the Big Bash um, where 
the Sydney Derby this year, yes, it was in school holidays, uh, and yes, it was in the middle of summer. However, was at ANZ Stadium on a weeknight, and they got 35, 36,000 people to it in the middle of Western Sydney. So that there is proof that if you've got a good product and it's marketed well and it's priced correctly, people will rock up in Sydney. You've just got to work hard for it. So if you're the ARDC and you're V8 Supercars and you want a flagship Sydney event, why would you not put some effort into running under lights at Eastern Creek, Sydney Motorsport Park, uh, that's a hard one to get out of that, um, on a Friday or Saturday night, start racing at 5 o'clock, finish at 10, just like Speedway, which, by the way, coming off a bumper season of crowds, um, and why wouldn't you have a crack? If I was a track promoter, it would be the first thing I'd try and do is try and capture that 2020 motor racing model, uh, given the success that the big has had over summer in Australia, because um, I think it's a licence to get crowds back to motor racing and fill the place and put on a really, really good show. My final point, and it's a quick one, why do we consistently feel the need to light the entire circuit? Let's light bits of it. Let's light the braking zones, the corners, the apexes and stuff, but let's have some dark. They race at Le Mans for crying out loud in the pitch black. Like, <laughs> they've got headlights. Let them use it. It looks so much cooler. All right, a break and then more, perhaps on that 2020 point in just a few moments. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Bort Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Percat from HHA Racing. You are listening to Inside V8 Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck. For Daniel Ricardo's old man to have found a few mates to tip some money in and send him overseas, there actually needs to be Eastside a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Scott Pye from Wilson Security Dick Johnson Racing, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Peter Norton, 2020 cricket is an interesting one. Has 2020 cricket, the strength of the Asian Cup, now meant that there is absolutely no way V8 Supercars can make the move to summer because they lost their one opportunity to get in there about five, maybe uh, even ten years ago. Uh, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Um, now, part of the dilemma, I think, uh, uh, has been the question of heat in summer. That these cars get jolly hot, and uh, I'm sure none of the drivers are looking forward to Adelaide on uh, Friday, where the temperatures are uh, forecasted to be in the high 30s. Uh, thank goodness for the longer race on Sunday, the forecast is for uh, high 20s instead, because uh, I think the many drivers, regardless of their fitness levels, they would have been in all sorts of strife in high 30 degrees uh, in, a, in a long race. So I, I, which something this is something we've discussed quite often about the strength of the summer series, and uh, I think the heat was uh, you know, something that was always going to hold it back the races would need to be quite short. Um, but I think you've hit the nail on the head. Other sports have now filled that gap. And uh, uh, I think we're now into that, this regular cycle now of uh, following the sun somewhat, um, going north during winter. Um, but, uh, you know, the regular season that we've got now, I think, is the timetable. Mm. What about you, Richard? I know you're a regular partaker of 2020 cricket. Yeah, I am. I don't think motor racing needs to be over that summer window. I really don't think it does. And the, it, I've been reading about what's going on in the States and IndyCars copping a lot of rubbish for their current schedule and trying to avoid clashing against NFL football. 
And it's just silly because it's a different market. And football and motor racing, I don't think, compete. There's probably crossover fans, of course there is, but I, I don't think it's there's much point in trying to compete with football because you're probably not going to regardless. So deal with that fact. Put your own events on. Put the best possible events you can on, and they will do the business at the level that you're at. So Bathurst rated extremely well last year. TV eight rounds did pretty well. You still get a big crowd at Sandown to the 500, despite the fact it's on semi-final weekend in the AFL when a game was played at the MCG on the Saturday night of the Sandown 500 weekend. People will go if it's a good event. So I don't think we need a, a summer switch as long as the events that are in between really work. And if you look at what we've got now in the middle of winter is we've got Hidden Valley Raceway, which is a huge success, Townsville, which is a great success, Queensland Raceway, which is a sort of staple of the calendar but seems to go okay, it chips away every year. Uh, and we've got good events in winter where we go go north and go warm. That's a good model. Seems to work. Why change it? Well, why change it? In my, uh, in my question to you is we have public interest in the Clipsal 500 and then it goes away and it comes back at Bathurst. And then it's there for Bathurst, Gold Coast and, and Sydney. You've got this whole chunk when they're doing most of their racing where people aren't getting it. They're not, they're not following it. And I think, Peter, you, you've heard water cooler comments uh, throughout the winter going, oh, are they racing? Is there races on? Well, that, that's right. Um, it's not a consistent high profile. Uh, and, and that's obviously something that they're wanting to address. Um, particularly with the the variable gaps between races. We've often spoken about being uh, a regular every second weekend uh, so people can... uh, It becomes part of their lives. It's a regular thing. Like in uh, in the US, it's NASCAR every weekend. Um, You know, the fans really connect like that. Um, Yeah, consistency is important uh, and they need to be consistently higher-profile events. Uh, Unfortunately, Queensland Raceway and Winton, that sort of stuff... um, they don't really get general media coverage um, the same way that a Clipsal or a Bathurst does. Mm. Well, Here's the thing on that, though, Craig. Here's the thing. And I agree with what you're saying, Pete, but every given weekend in Adelaide from March to September, there's a game of football on at Adelaide Oval. There's only one Clipsal 500. So AFL and NRL and A-League and cricket, to a lesser extent, have have this amazing ability where they're in one city and all major cities of Australia every weekend for most of the year. V8 Supercars has 14 events, two in, you know, one in South Australia, four in Victoria, four in New South Wales, blah, 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 blah. That, that's where the trouble is. And you're never, ever going to get to a point where it's like AFL of you've got a game consistently every week in that city, maybe two, and that's what draws the casual fans in to fill the grounds and go to the stadium and buy the hot dogs. So I think we need to get out of that mentality and try and build what we've got to be the best it can. Um, and, and how do we do that? Well, that's the million-dollar question that everybody's trying to answer. Well, a final thought after this here on Inside Supercars. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page. And to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Begley in the final, which uh, we were able to do up 
um, take the win off him. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Bottolo Racing Team, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. A final thought, Peter Norton. Uh, predictions, I guess, for the Clipsal 500. Um, I'm looking forward to whether to see whether Shane Van Gisbergen can continue his great form from the end of last season. Um, yeah, I'd love to see him open the uh, his uh, season strongly. Richard Crowell. Uh, political comment. It's just going to be nice to go back car racing, isn't it? All the rubbish over the off-season, debate about TV deals and test days and drivers not being allowed to do this and pay drivers or whatever it might be, on Friday morning or Thursday morning when the support starts, all of that stuff gets pushed to the side. It just goes back to being a sport, and I cannot wait for that to happen. Yes, and my final thought is I hope Michael Caruso knows which car to get into. No sooner than the press release that said he's so happy to be in the number 10, the car, the number that he raced and won all his championships as a carter was dry and sent out to everyone, they turned around and put his car at number 23. I just hope he remembers that's the number he's getting into and doesn't go down the Dunlop Series grid to jump in number 10. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Supercars. My thanks to Peter Norton and Richard Crail. Until next time around, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. Inside Supercars.